Welcome back to From the Bridge. I'm your captain, Rick Jones of Fishbait Solutions. It's the early days of summer here in the Carolina Lowcountry, and we're already watching the tropics for signs of hurricanes. Trying to reason with hurricane season is a popular pastime. From now until early November, we will keep our eyes on the coast of Africa for any new storms that may become hurricanes. And as we hope for the best, we have to prepare for the worst. We make sure the generator is working. We clear room in the garage for porch and other outdoor furniture. We store bottled water and canned goods. We keep our most important documents in a suitcase in case we have to leave the island. In other words, we prepare. Today's episode is all about preparations. My special guest is Sharon Altram from Field X, who will talk about how her company helps prepare young people and businesses alike for what's ahead. Someone once said that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. All I know is the more prepared I am, the luckier I seem to be. I am constantly doing scenario planning at our agency. I'm looking ahead and projecting what we might need to make us more effective. Those who know me know that I'm analog man, who still uses dozens and dozens of yellow pads to write things down. But I am smart enough to know that we are needing new technologies and tools to help us as we grow. We recently signed up for Sponsor United to help us better target sales prospects. We became a DigiDeck customer to help us build both better sales presentations, but also to know who opens these presentations and how much time they pay attention to what we sent them. My other agency engagement uses Slack effectively to communicate and organize projects. So we're looking at using Slack too here at Fishbait. We are blessed that Fishbait is growing significantly. That means we are needing additional staff. I keep a running list of people I'd like to have join us at Fishbait once we have a need for their talents. And if COVID-19 taught us anything, it's that things can quickly change whether we like it or not. So all businesses and families need to plan for financial reserves. This year is about recovery from the difficulties of 2020 and paying down the debt we accumulated last year. That takes both preparation and discipline. (laughs) Discipline, yeah. Yet another trait we'll spend time talking about soon. Coach Wooden once said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. So here's the question of the day. How prepared are you? Let's now climb back up on the old soapbox. You all know I love sayings. My first book, Analog Advice in a Digital World, is a collection of sayings. One of my favorite sayings that is not in that book is the old Greek saying that a wise man plants trees from whence he'll never enjoy the shade. Now that's real preparation. Preparation for decades and generations to come. Sadly, I don't see many trees being planted in politics these days. We have run up incredible amounts of debt 
that we're going to be leaving for our children and our grandchildren to deal with. And no one from either political party seems to care. College sports doesn't seem to be much better. I've watched a lot of athletic directors retire this year. Why? Because it just got a whole lot harder than it was before COVID-19. But COVID alone did not create the long-term issues facing college athletics. Issues like how to facilitate and manage and possibly even fund name, image, and likeness for student-athletes. Or how to handle social justice and equality issues. Or how to continue to pay for sports that don't create much income. How to find new income sources. How to build loyalty with a couple of generations that have not shown loyalty to much of anything. Here's my advice for you new ADs. You'd better start planting some trees. My guest angler today is my friend Sharon Altram. Sharon and I became friends when she was working at Prime Sport. We did a lot of things together when I was running the marketing initiatives for the National Association of Basketball Coaches, and she was coordinating large-scale hospitality programs at the Final Four. Sharon is now the founder of Field Experience, a company that provides training and internships for college students who want to work in the event marketing industry. She'll tell us all about that and more today from the bridge. Welcome, Sharon. Hey, Rick. How are you? I'm great. Uh, I know you're you're spending summer at the beach in North Carolina. W- w- where are you these days? Uh, we have a, a beach house in Emerald Isle, North Carolina, and it is um, about an hour and a half north of Wilmington and two and a half hours East of uh, Raleigh, or should I say east of UNC, NC State, and Duke. Yeah, I love Emerald Isle. It's a great, great place. Um, you know, I uh, I live at the beach. I live on an island, and uh, I always tell people that when I fly, I cross three bridges coming home. I, I land in, uh, in Charleston, and I cross the Ashley River Bridge on 526, and my blood pressure goes down to several points. And then I cross the Limehouse Bridge, which uh, takes me from the mainland to John's Island, and my blood pressure falls another five points. And and then, mm-hmm. I, and then I cross little old Church Creek on the Wadmalaw Island, and uh, all the worries are gone. So I, 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 I know that bridge at Emerald Isle. I feel like that's probably the same thing for you. It is. And um, one of the things the city did years ago that I love, and it, it happens about this time of the year, the road to the, to the bridge is um, they plant sunflowers. So there could be thousands and thousands of sunflowers. And then you hit that bridge and you see that that low coastal water, and you're absolutely right. I always think of it as kind of like shedding, um, and you sort of shed as you go over that bridge, and then you can like breathe, and it's it's a great place to be. Yeah, I, I, I love that analogy because I feel the same way. I mean, I really seriously, I mean, I know the bridges, and I just go, ah, oh, 
ah, and then really <laughs> ah, you know, and you know, because we both have always traveled so darn much. And um, I, I read a really interesting uh, thing on uh, Facebook this week about somebody being stuck trying to get to Atlanta, and you know, you're on a plane and they won't leave, and baby's crying, and everybody's mad, and, you know, and, and and so we've all been there, and then you get to land and. You get to cross the bridge, and it gets a lot better from that. That's right. That's why I have um, probably about 30 seconds of the ocean um, on my phone. So when I am in those airports with those screaming babies, uh, I can just turn it on and just be there. Well, let's start today. We always start with all our guests, kind of, you know, where are you from? Uh, where'd you grow up? Um, that sort of thing. I think you're Canadian, aren't you? I'm actually, I was dual citizenship, but I didn't listen to my parents and it felt the paperwork. So I'm a full-blown American. Oh, okay. Landed immigrant in Canada. I was born at the University of Syracuse when my father was doing his PhD in, in education. Wow. So you... But uh, I didn't know what an orange You didn't know what an orange man was, you know? Until 2009 when I was... Uh, working and uh they made it to the tournament well syracuse originally were the warriors people don't know this they had a native american mascot and they were one of the first to um become politically correct um and and eliminated the native american reference and became the orange and uh obviously have a cool mascot with the orange uh that's uh, that's a lot of fun so what what was your uh, what was your first job my first job was in Australia. I grew up all over the world in, um, in almost every socioeconomic level. So I uh, lived in Nigeria, Malawi, the Philippines. And then my father was doing sabbatical in Australia. And my brother and I were hired. I think we were a little bit underage, but we had American accents. Um, and we were hired by an um, American ice cream parlor called Auntie's. Because they wanted the American accent. I love that. You know, we did a program several years ago um, leading into the 2000 Olympic Games in Sydney. We did a program called the Down Under Tour for Bank of America. And, And our research had shown that that aspirationally more Americans wanted to go to Australia than any other place. And I guess it was yes. because of, you know, Paul Hogan in that era, shrimp on the Barbie, all that kind of stuff. And, and they, and they spoke, you know, some form of English and, and, and the, we did this tour, we did a traveling tour, went to 60 markets in the United States. The entire experience was shaped like the Sydney opera house. So it was white tents that were kind of in that sail shape and mm-hmm. had all kinds of experiences. But the really cool thing is we hired um, students from the Australian Tourist Board. So all, <laughs> of, our, all of our band, brand ambassadors were Australians. And, and so you had a better experience when, you know, people could actually talk that way. So uh, this was the reverse for you. You were the American yes. accent in an ice cream parlor. Uh, Even well, though I was Canadian, but they kind of looked at it the same. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. It all blends together. We laugh about that. Um, so what? What um, we met when you were at Prime Sport. And uh, who was the guy, David, uh, that was the CEO um, of Prime Sport in that era? I'm trying to think his last name. So that was uh, David Lord. Yeah, and David, I really was, loved him, yeah. Yes, I was working for the um, NFL at the time <clears throat> um, under Jim Steig, and um, Jim was leaving 
and I uh, Prime Sport had raised, I think it was $26 million with Razor Gator, and that was the beginning of a, um, of a paradigm shift in the, in the ticket world. And um, they hired me to create the experiences around the, the game ticket. Now, what had you done for Jim at the NFL before? What was your job? I was hired in uh, 1999 to work with um, another woman, Debbie Wardrop, and we created uh, the corporate hospitality, which became um, on location, which became um, purchased by Endeavor. So that was at the very, very beginning of uh, creating experiences for uh, corporations that were involved in the super in the Super Bowl. I saw recently where that organization has bought the exclusive hospitality rights for the L.A. Olympic Games. Yes, uh, and so it's going to be fascinating. And you know that used to be not one company had all that. You had lots That's of right. companies that were feeding it that trough in different ways. And so it's going to be interesting to see how well that model works. Um, uh, for them, uh, we 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 worked together initially at the Final Four, and one of the things that I really loved about working with you was that you took the time to understand the individual needs of the hospitality patron. You know, you didn't treat everybody the same. You, you know, you said, "No, no, no, you know, who are you entertaining? What are you doing? What, you know, what's your objectives?" Um, and and I really love that. You know, it, it never felt one-stop shopping it it always felt even if it wasn't it always felt pretty customized and and obviously we had all the coaches and we were you know using coaches you were using coaches for brand ambassadors and doing hospitality but you had a lot of other really great celebrities that would be part of the hospitality program talk talk a little bit about that so uh, when i was with prime sport our um we uh, partnered in 2007 with the NCAA and you have, you have to understand, and I appreciate that you said it the way I took the time. I had to take the time going into college sports coming from Canada that has a total of 101 universities. And I went to university of Guelph. There's only 22 universities in Ontario. And I think less at that time. And our, our school wasn't really good enough to go national. So that was my reference. I moved to the U S and I don't get involved in sports until 1992 and I really don't and then I start dabbling into college sports and there's over 4,000 universities and colleges I um that was probably the hardest part of my job was really understanding all the dynamics and over the years I um this was my fourth industry but I realized that I loved creating access for extraordinary events and that carried me through the four industries um, sports was, was one of them and it was very exciting. Um, and over the years I realized I was more of a fan of the fan. Um, I, I love that I, description. That's a great description. Fan of the fan. Well, I, I would end up being, whether it was, um, 50 yard line and I would be looking the other way at everyone's faces or I would look around the stadium or the arena at the people that were there. Why are they there? Um, and, and really the amount of money that people spend to go to these events first can be significant. And it was important to create an experience that they ordinarily wouldn't have. And, you know, 
with the with the NCAA and the NFL and the Olympics, I really had a front row seat at some extraordinary moments in people's lives, whether it was an athlete that made um, that one shot to a championship, but it was also all the people that were there. And that that's really what my why is. The hardest part was um, whether I was being interviewed about um, who I thought was going to win. And I always had to take notes and have someone on my team that would give me stats and make sure I didn't, I didn't mix up um, Auburn and Alabama or Michigan and Michigan state, which I often did. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting to have the view of, of not being such a fan yourself of the specific event or team so that you have a different sort of perspective of how do we serve the people that are, you know, I, I, I found in many cases, you know, people are too much, people are too much fans themselves to, to realize anything other than their own self gratification. Uh, and so they don't, they don't see the forest for the trees. Um, and y'all always did that. It, we we were intentional, and sometimes we would plan things. So we, you, you know, you talk about the celebrities. Um, I was in Houston that I had I started doing research about something called Phi Slamma Jamma, and I probably said the name wrong because I'm constantly putting my foot. No, in my you mouth, got it, you, you got it right. That's Guy <laughs> Lewis's team. That was a great team. Yeah, that <laughs> was. So you know, I I, I love controversial conversations with um with celebrities that played against Jalen Rose and Christian Leitner I had Christian Leitner um booked for Indianapolis final four heard Galen Rose Jalen Rose was in town and then learned about the 3030 I hate Christian uh (laughs) and um I said hey would you Christian would you be willing to have a conversation and it turned into this incredible a uh, conversation like 400 people were in a one living room sitting around talking. And and that's when I turn around from looking at them on stage to the people that they're talking to and they're lighting up. And that's when I know I have a home run. Actually, when I know I had a home run, it was when um, I would look at a corporate executive, a CEO that's been there, done that. And I saw that the, that what we had done had brought the child out in him or her. Yeah, I love that. You know, there are people that we deal with, obviously, that pretty much can buy anything they want, but to give them that experience that really money can't buy, um, you know, that uniqueness that you said, it brings a child out to them. It brings, they they go back to where they were. They remember, you know, all those kinds of things. And, and when you touch that level, <clears throat> then I think, um, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be successful and they're going to return, you know, year in and year out um, as part of that. And, and it's hard to do. I mean, it's hard to capture magic every year and every event and all the times, but I I always felt like y'all did, y'all did such a great job. And, and one of the things that you did that I think is a nice segue to what you're doing now is, um, uh, you know, you were great about teaching young people the craft you know, Brittany and I, Brittany Shell and I were talking once about, you know, all the young people that worked under you at Prime Sport, and 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 they just they were just a joy to work with. And I think you know the speed of the ship's always been 
been determined by the speed of the captain, and you were able to to train people to to do things. And that's not easy to do, especially if you're starstruck yourself. You know, if you're a young person and here you are at the Super Bowl or here you are at the Final Four and, and you realize, you know, you're not here to be a fan. You're here to serve the fans. Um, that, that's that's not easy to do. And yet y'all seem to pull that off almost effortlessly. And now I think it's kind of led you to what to what you're doing now. But talk a little bit about, about teaching and training um, young people. Well, it it goes back to, for me, it goes back to my father being a professor, um, a world-renowned professor of international comparative education and workforce development. If someone ever said, oh, you're going to you're going to go into that, I would have laughed at them because I thought it was really boring. But as I, as I worked, you know, my years at the Georgia Dome um, on the opening management team in the NFL, I realized that um, selfishly, you know, there could be 20, maybe a hundred people in the boardroom, but in order to pull off these events, you needed hundreds or thousands of people that needed to be on the same page. And, um, I always sought out, we needed people that had a stake in the game. And it was really that sport and entertainment student um, that uh, had the stake in the game. In 2000, and I can't remember my years now, but it was probably about six or seven years ago in Houston, uh, I uh, met a professor and I knew a lot of professors and I used a lot of students, but I met my co-founder of Field Experience, Dr. Joey Lynn Bielkowski. And while I was looking for these eager students, she was looking for real, authentic, experiential learning that started um, before an event and didn't include just holding up a welcome sign. We, we, we realized that in order to get the most out of, out of um, the students in the workforce was starting with transferable soft skills. And I know um, that can be a little loosey-goosey. But in order for self-awareness or critical thinking or problem solving, and then on the other side, um, empowering them and giving them a little bit of um, power themselves to deal with um, situations. Because events are incredibly chaotic. You have multiple organizations coming together for a short period of time. Everyone has their own agendas and own way of doing things. And... um, and with the students and the training that Joey Lynn and I did over the six years, we realized that we had something here. Um, and and when we had students that were really uh, more focused, or not even just students, but staff that were more focused on um, the celebrities, uh, we made it clear that that wasn't why they were there. And every event we had a, an MVP award, somebody that would work above and beyond and be voted as the MB, MVP of the event. Um, and then at the end, we, we always did something special for them, whether it's a meet, a meet and greet with a celebrity or a coach. Uh, so we manage their expectations, have low expectations at the beginning, you're here to work. And what happened was, a lot of our students were miss. Um, they a lot of the students people thought that they were junior executives. We had our our CTO at Prime Sport say, you know, I was really impressed with those two junior executives that you have. Were they from the Raleigh office? And I said, no, they were students, and I made them wear business attire. So here we are at a sporting event 
But when a student puts on a, a, a tie and a jacket or a business attire dress, um, they're going to have more confidence. And that was really the start of it. You know, it's interesting about soft skills. I, I you know, I, I think the one soft skill I have is I smile at everybody. Smiling is just so disarming. I mean, it just, you just smile at everybody. And, and you know, people inevitably smile back. And, and, and it kind of changes the dynamic of that. I know that Chick-fil-A is an organization that that's one of the things they teach all their young people. Hey, when somebody comes up to order, just smile first before you do anything else. Just, it's universal. Yeah, it's, it just it's works. It's universal. It, it, it does. It works in uh, so many ways. Every one of our podcasts has a theme, and today's theme is about preparation. And and now what you've done is you've taken all these things that you saw through you know various points in your career, and then you decide to be an entrepreneur. You decide to go start something based on what you saw lacking in the marketplace. And that leads us to field experience. That's right. So that's that's right. And um, uh, Joey Lynn and I realized that we had um, a business model. And um, our angel investor, Stu Lichter, who is... Um, what is a landowner and developer of the uh, Hall of Fame Village uh, in Canton, Ohio, realized what we were doing. And we decided to create a uh, digital platform that uh, started in the industry that we knew, but then would expand into any industry um, because the skills were tra- are transferable. And um, that feeling of empowerment and our vision of having a prepared, engaged, and inclusive future workforce um, started. And uh, we, what I don't recommend is launching a startup three months before a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Timing was not so fortuitous. Um, you know, one of the frustrations that I have seen, um, I think there are about 380 schools either at the undergraduate or graduate level giving degrees in sport management and 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 yet they're really not prepared for jobs you know we've kind of oh you can work in the wonderful world of sport or the wonderful world of entertainment and uh you know every time i have our young people unloading boxes for our tours and you know 100 degree weather i, I laughingly say welcome to the glamorous world of sports mm-hmm. marketing uh but y'all really saw that there was a need for both soft skill development, but also, you know, competencies, hard skills in certain That's areas. Right. And that you felt like you could build scalable processes uh, in order to do that. Talk, talk a little bit about that. And then just talk about your vision for the company and, and the model, the model that you're building. Um, the model has slightly changed um, due to pivoting with the pandemic, but basically um, the learning logic that Joey Lynn's brought to field experience and our process of learn, experience, connect. So the learning component is starting from very basic and it's a gamified platform. Um, everyone starts um, as a rookie, uh, comes in and, and takes a career ready course and then they're then they sign up for a micro internship and they're literally airdropped into probably one of the most chaotic environments which are events you don't know um, there's so many unknowns and they actually use those skills 
And then we, then we use the connect component where they're connecting their experience back to the skills and what they're learning. But also as a freshman, a freshman or a high school senior, they're connecting their network and they're starting to build their network. A lot of universities don't start internships until, you know, sophomore, junior year, but let's start it early. Let's start developing it. And I would say there's a a pretty significant uh, percentage of students that will be involved in a micro internship, think they love what, where they're going and come back after and say, you know, I had so much fun at Super Bowl, but I realize I prefer to be behind the scenes in front instead of in front of um, crowds. And and we realize that we've saved that young person probably a year or maybe more learning what what works for them and what doesn't. I thought I, I, it was going to so, be this. Yeah, but that is so important. You've said a couple of things that I really like. One is I, I tell our young sales guys and gals, you're going to sell generationally. You know, if you're a 25-year-old in the business selling, you're going to sell to the same people for the next 40 years. Um, It's a generational thing, and you cannot build a bigger, a big enough Rolodex, in my opinion. It's all about Mm -hmm. connectivity, and you're already showing young people early, get connected to your peer group. But secondly, we we have a couple of interns this summer at um, uh, at Fishbite Solutions, and and. I told them the objective was to figure out what they didn't want to do, not what they wanted to do. Just eliminate things you said, mm, nah, I thought I wanted to do that, but I really don't want to do that. That's not what I want to do. That's the process of elimination. And y'all, because you put them literally, you know, maybe out of the frying pan into the fire really quickly, then the emotional piece kicks in that you go either I like this or I don't like this. And and I think that's, not only does it save them time, it saves them money in terms of going down paths that, that, that are the wrong paths. That's right. And and they start seeing their superpowers. At uh, It was Super Bowl in Miami <clears throat> in, in 2020. Um, we, on our chat, we got a student that said, I just... Uh, um, I just came across two very unhappy people and a happy face emoji, but I use my empathy skills and um, they went from unhappy to happy. And we could have taught them that in a classroom. We could have told them that their parents could have told them about that, but they need, she needed to experience that. And that aha moment that I have the power to change a situation for the positive. Well, I love that. We talk a lot on this podcast about identifying your gifts. You know, if you if you have gifts and you have a passion, then you're going to be able to to have a great career and a great life around that. But again, you know, I've got a saying, all sunshine and no rain makes a desert. And the truth is, there are going to be those rainy days when you've got to pivot, you got to change, you got to change behaviors, you got to, you got to take unhappy people and and make them happy. <laughs> My mama, who was a fine Southern Baptist lady, one of her favorite expressions was, "Honey, sometimes you got to tell people to go to hell and make them look forward to the trip." Uh, and <laughs> you know, and in a COVID world with all these restrictions yep. and masks and distancing and all the kinds of crazy, we have to make people look forward to the trip. Uh, you know, the great news for what you're doing is the I think the pandemic probably sharpened y'all's saws. Uh, 
it made you say, okay, let's let's dive it down to what really matters. How do we give students what and, and other organizations what really really matters to to change behaviors. Um, the great news is we're going to have a decade where events are going to be just more and more, and it's, it's going to blow up. I mean, I tell everybody, you know, 1918, 1919, Spanish flu led to the Roaring Twenties, and, and, the, and, mm-hmm. the, and the key to the Roaring Twenties was that was the golden age of sport, baseball, boxing, horse racing, and the golden age of motion pictures where people went to movie theaters. And and I, I'm seeing right now, as we recover from this craziness, this enormous demand for people to get back to festivals, to sporting events, to concerts, to trade shows, to any place with other human beings. And, and you're going to be able to place students in, in meaningful, well-paying jobs, which I think is exciting. Yes, and and actually, I think this um, well, this pandemic turned our business model upside down, and we weren't going when they started shutting down events. We looked at our timeline and said, "Well, we're not supposed to be going. We don't have us going into another industry till 2022." But we did. We pivoted. Uh, we actually uh, brought in um, a wonderful, like-minded um, CEO, Angela Robb. And um, went more on the um, enterprise. Um, she brought in Chewy.com, and we realized our, our model wasn't just for the students. It started start with students and then throughout your career. Because you can always reskill, upskill. And um, a lot of recent graduates. Um, so what, what the pandemic did for us was realize we really believe that workforce should be lifelong learners and make it fun. Yeah, I love that. I love that reskill, upskill, because that's the reality. You know, the the microprocessor is changing so rapidly that there's more power in your smartphone than there was on the you know the rocket that went to the moon, and right. and 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 the the rate of change is so dramatic that really the most important skill I think is the skill to learn new skills. <laughs> uh, an open mindset or an infinite mindset always want to learn. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the, one of the tragedies, uh, in my opinion of the last, um, administration in Washington was this false belief that we were going to go back to the 1950s again, that we were going to go back to, to making stuff like we did in the 1950s. And we we're going to go back to making the sausage like we did. Well, we're not. We're not ever going to go back. I mean, you are only going forward. You can learn from the past, but, you know, it's about what That's what's right. next and, and having those kinds of adaptable skills. And I think part of it is a mindset. If you're getting young people early on to realize you have to be a lifetime learner, there's no way around it. You have to be. That that's valuable, and that's something that you're you're, you're you know kind of overlaying to them right from the get go. That's right, and and um, it's not just sport and entertainment students. I would say that my um, my daughter Lucy was that socially awkward STEM student that uh, preferred to do things alone, but when she worked our events she built that other side and, and those social skills that now she's um, a biochemistry senior at Georgia tech at interviews saying, you know, I prefer to work in a lab 
but I have this, the skills that I can explain what I'm doing to the C-level, to marketing and PR. Um, same thing with finance students. Um, we've had many finance students ex- um, build out those skills and they can use it in any career that they want. And that's the beauty of what we're seeing happening with um, these young people. Well, again, even those introverts in the lab, at some point you've got to convince someone to give you money to fund research, to continue to help you, you know, promote what you're doing. And so all these skills are so critically important. You know, I, I do tell everybody, at the end of the day, all of us are in the people business. And people's skills are critical to long-term success. That's right. Well, what's next for field experience as we now come out of the pandemic, we go back to events, you've got more enterprise solutions for more of the Chewy, uh, you know, organizations. Tell me, tell me what's your vision for the company? The vision for the the company really is to expand that. We are re um, reopening our micro internship component. Um, we dabbled in it uh, slightly, but we really focused on building our library of uh, lessons in our technology. Um, so while we are doing the enterprise component, uh, a big focus, and we're working with multiple universities, is to continue what we started with, and the vision hasn't wavered. Um, so we're excited about that. One one thing that happened during the pandemic that was a surprise, uh, the NCAA um, asked us to uh, manage the Next Gen program. And we started to do that for Men's Final Four uh, and work with Georgia Tech for Atlanta. And it was an innovation summit. It didn't happen. Um, they asked us to do it again for 2020. Uh, 2021, um, and we did completely virtual, but we created uh, a really interesting digital learning journey that wove in the uh, NCAA strategic priorities and also with the stakeholders, including uh, opportunities for sponsors. We did a pilot program, and we ended up um, exceeding expectations, and we'll be growing that program. Um, staying true to our business model and what we're focused on, we all we also wove in uh, things like critical thinking, uh, belonging, and civility. Uh, so all of that learning um, goes alongside with our soft skills, but also with very cool stories and and a lot of legends. A lot of the NCA legends want to give back in that. Uh, case for the next generation. So that's something that uh, I'm most interested in. Our team is really fine-tuning the technology and taking us to another level. But that's a that's a project, a passion project um, for me. Well, we're big believers in what you're doing. You know, we've partnered with you on a project and, con- and plan to continue to do more. How, how can people out there listening find out more about field experience? Uh, certainly go to fieldexperience.com and it's, uh, it's, um, spelt field F I E L D and then a letter X P E R I E N C E or my field X.com or, or email me at Sharon at my field Well, there's exciting times ahead for you and your company. And, uh, we thank you so much for being with us today from the bridge. And Rick, 
Yes, ma'am. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. It Next was great. time we have to do it over good food. Yes, uh, we need to do it uh, overlooking the sea, uh, eating yes. good food someplace. I'm all up for that. I'll meet so. you halfway. That'd be great. All right, talk soon. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Let's close today's show with another fun place to eat on the road with Rick. Since Sharon is spending her summer at the beach, let's talk about a great beach roadhouse. When we lived in London, the long, cold, dark, miserable winters could get to you. So each February, we ran to the sun. We'd head to the Florida Keys Almorada to be specific, and the Chica Lodge to be even more specific. One of the best places to eat down there is right in the heart of Almorada at the Whale Harbor Marina. It's Wahoo's Bar and Grill. The view is incredible, and the food is even better. Grab yourself a rum punch and some conch fritters, a little ceviche, and steamed gulf shrimp. Then move on to wonderful grilled fish, mahi-mahi, grouper, maybe some snapper, or maybe a Florida lobster or some stone crabs in their respective seasons. For dessert, come on. Of course it's key lime pie made with local key limes. It's the perfect place after a day of fishing or swimming or both. It's Wahoo's at mile marker 83.5 on A1A along the road to Key West on the road with Rick. That's a wrap for today. Thanks for being with us and let us hear how we're doing. If you like us, let some other folks know about us. We'll see you next week right back here from the bridge. Mm -hmm.